Hello, everyone, and welcome to HR Works, the podcast for HR professionals. We really appreciate you taking the time out of your busy day to join us. I am the host of HR Works, Jim Davis, and the editor of the HR Daily Advisor. This podcast aims to put valuable tools and knowledge into the hands and ears of you, the HR professional. Those tools will arm you with the best methods and strategies for attracting, motivating, and retaining top talent. Today's episode is brought to you by 15.5, a continuous performance management solution that helps employees grow and develop in just 15 minutes each week. Through a lightweight weekly check-in, 15.5 delivers everything a manager needs to impact employee performance, including continuous feedback, objective tracking, uh, also known as OKR tracking, recognition, one-on-ones, and 360-degree reviews. 15.5 is the most popular performance management software out of 246 vendors and has the most five-star ratings on G2 Crowd with over 2,000 forward-thinking companies using the solution to bring out the best in their people. You'd be hard-pressed to find an HR professional that doesn't realize the importance of employee engagement, but engagement is engagement, right? As it turns out, the answer is not so simple. Getting everyone engaged is a great start, but making sure that that engagement is of a certain quality is critical if you want to make the most of it. Today's guest is an employee engagement expert. We are pleased to have Chris Maroff with us today. He is the author of a number one Amazon bestseller with a title that is a little hard to read out loud. It is called Four Simple Steps for Leaders to Create Employee Engagement Through Alignment Leadership, except engagement is crossed out, so the title actually reads, Four Simple Steps for Leaders to Create Employee Fulfillment Through Alignment Leadership. Chris, thank you so much for taking the time to join us today. Yeah, it's great to be here. Engagement is engagement, right? Or is there a wrong kind of employee engagement? Well, employee engagement is uh, is constantly talked about, I think, um, uh, in the workplace as it relates to, you know, how do I understand uh, my employees? And more importantly, how do I um, have a conversation with them that's meaningful? How do I allow them uh, to show up? And so the concept of engagement is one that is, uh, it's a great concept. Unfortunately, the execution of it is often where um, employers um, stumble. They don't fully understand or grasp um, what it takes uh, to engage, and they stop short of really getting to uh, this back and forth conversation with employees. And so, um, no, not all engagement uh, is the same. Um, we we tend to treat employees um, sometimes like if we just give them a treat, um, uh, you know, for instance, a break room with some snacks, we think that uh, that will be enough. If I just kind of do these uh, nice things for them, without fully understanding um, whether or not, you know, those nice things have any meaning to them, um, then we, we don't really allow that employee to find fulfillment in their job. We just give them that temporary um, feeling like, hey, there, there's a reason to come in or, yeah, I'm glad I get to go to the break room and enjoy a snack, but, you know, I'm still going to look for another job. So engagement just takes a lot more investment into your people to understand who they are um, understand their worldview, how that uh, either um, complements uh, their job or, um, you know, maybe doesn't complement uh, their job. And so it's that investment, that that really in-depth uh, dive into um, what makes them unique, um, what's their worldview, and how can we as a company partner with them 
uh, where we're going to spend most of our waking hours at work, uh, making this something that's incredibly fulfilling um, and allows them not to feel like they've wasted uh, any time at work at all. Is there a way for an employee engagement survey to distinguish the difference between someone that might say they're engaged but not really be engaged versus someone that that's feeling fulfilled at work? Well, I think that a, a survey can definitely help, and all of these things are good. By the way, we we uh, we stock our break room, and you know we we try to um, um, you know provide happy hours and. We, we, we do all these things. I guess the difference would be between just doing a survey and having it be a part of the daily conversation um, is that when it's part of the daily conversation, it's done so consistently um, that we don't necessarily need uh, this separate survey. We, we, are, um, we weave it into the very fabric of conversation here, this concept of, hey, what, what are you looking for um, in this role, in this job? Um, what are you looking for in this task? Is that something that aligns with, um, you know, your passions? Uh, does it align with uh, something you feel like you're good at? And so if we can make that just part of the, the daily conversation, um, then we don't necessarily just need to rely on a survey. Again, those can all provide good insight, but it really must be woven into the fabric of leadership. Um, those leaders must understand that the greatest asset that they, that they possess uh, to get these jobs done are their people. And if that's the greatest asset you have, um, to maybe kind of uh, do it in an anonymous or, or, a, or a survey format uh, becomes unnecessary um, because you're going to be investing face-to-face -face with these folks um, in a more meaningful way every single day. It's a great answer. You're suggesting that we get employees to work in the jobs that they want to work in. Is that right? That is correct. And how possible is that in an organization? It's only possible when you are um, incredibly consistent about that messaging. In other words, um, when times of crisis come, we don't just put up with everyone at work just because we need to get a lot done. Uh, there may be tough conversations that we need to have even in the midst of crisis in order to vet out um, who should be on our team, who shouldn't be on our team. Um, is there a position that makes better sense for that employee? Um, you know, every single employee will show up to work with a set of hard skills and a set of soft skills. And in order to make uh, work really fulfilling, um, deeply fulfilling to an employee, it must be a combination of both hard and soft skills. Um, that doesn't happen accidentally. Um, you know, when they first come into an organization, they may have applied uh, for a particular job based on a, a job description or a write-up in an ad or a referral that didn't really get into the detail of what they'd be doing every single day. And since starting, they realized, man, this isn't really my gig. Like I, I'm, I'm making a paycheck and I'm, I'm showing up. It's not that I hate it, but I'm not really finding any real meaningful fulfillment in it. I'm, I'm just kind of going through the motions. And if we can have conversations with them, this is a this is again an employee that we're not looking at as saying, "Hey, we want to get rid of this employee." This is an employee who's just showing up, um, and they they they're doing a good job. But if we're not investing to find out what makes them tick, what's their worldview, what are their hopes, what are their um, experiences and traditions, uh, what are their preferences, what are their beliefs, if we're not investing in them in a way that we can understand that. Then when another job opens up or when 
um, there's a scenario or a project or a task that surfaces, then we can't leverage um, the, the very uniqueness that they bring to accomplish that particular job or task or project. And we, we really miss out on an opportunity to allow that employee uh, to feel fulfilled. What you're talking about sounds like it would take, you know, let's imagine a company that doesn't do what you're suggesting uh, to get them to get all the people or as many people as possible at their job into the roles that they might actually want would be extremely disruptive, um, I imagine. How, why is it worth it for companies to do that? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, and as a business owner, that's a question I had to answer. What, what was this going to yield? Um, because I am running a business, which means that I do need to make payroll. Um, I do need to um, understand profit and loss, and I need to be successful. Uh, so what's the, what's the payout or, or what's the benefit? That comes from understanding um, what an employee can do, what a human being can do when operating out of their passion. And when we understand that they'll be able to do 10 times the work um, when they are fully invested in that, um, is when I realized the power of placing that employee in the right role. Um, when um, in the role that didn't suit them or they were willing to do and, and did, an, uh, did an okay job in, but compare that to the role that they can jump in with both feet, feel incredible fulfillment, um, we increased productivity and efficiency by at least 40% in every department where we were able to um, find out um, those worldviews, find out what makes that employee tick and, and, and insert them into those particular roles. It was a huge boost to not only our revenue, um, it decreased our expenses, and overall um, just uh, brought up the morale of everyone around them. I can only imagine, you know, people tend to be pretty set in their ways, right? There's this, uh, this law in physics that says objects at rest tend to stay at rest unless acted upon by an outside force. What you're talking about is the outside force. You know, I imagine it's very difficult for a company that's confronting the need for change, especially when you're talking about employees that are doing their jobs. You know, they're maybe they're not engaged, but they're not they're also not starting fires and they're not actively working against the company. So it might be easy to just maintain the status quo um, without recognizing the the value of applying that outside force. Yeah, it, it's. It's why we don't change things. The problem is we're not, we're, we're in a slow boil scenario um, in the workplace. In other words, for the last decade, we have literally been boiling to death um, and we're not realizing it because the heat's just been being turned up a little bit at a time. The reality is we've never had turnover rates um, in the history of our workforce like we have today. And turnover um, is the uh is the worst expense that any employer can take on. It's it's uh, it's has negative ROI, and so we're wanting to blame it on millennials or Gen Z. But the reality is, it's got nothing to do um, with a generation. It's got everything to do with the fact that we stopped understanding what the greatest asset that we have, and that's our people. And therefore, we don't invest into them in a way that gives them an an option. Uh, to not just quit and go work somewhere else, but we give them an option to actually feel fulfilled in what they're doing. We invest in them 
um, so that they feel as though they have value. And an employee that feels like they're valued, again, that's going to yield itself uh, uh, both in revenue, uh, drop in expense, uh, overall efficiency. And most importantly, it's going to kill that turnover number, which is killing employee employers right now. It's it's one of the single greatest um, hardships that uh, employers have right now is turnover. And so, yeah, we could stay with where we are, but it's a slow boil for a lot of companies. They'll wake up one day and find out, you know what? I just lost all my really good employees to those companies that are actually investing into people. They will wake up and realize um, they can't treat their employees um, like an asset or a plug and play like they used to 100 years ago. They've got to recognize the uniqueness that they bring, the value they bring, um, and they're going to fight. They have to fight in order to find that fulfillment. Yeah, and turnover, you know, I think it's it's easy to look at your turnover numbers as sort of a linear progression. You have one turnover costs this much to replace and train and get back up to speed. But what I think is often overlooked is how contagious it is. Absolutely. It, it goes like wildfire. It's like a virus. People say, oh, that person who I respect and know is an excellent worker doesn't think it's worth it to work here anymore. What am what am I doing here or what am I missing? You know, yeah, it raises a lot of questions, especially if you're talking about an employee who um, is, uh, you know, doing a great job and seemingly happy. You know, it's easy to kind of look at turnover with employees who are unhappy. Um, but those employees who have done a really good job and they seem to come in every day um, feeling engaged um, and then they leave and it is it's contagious. I imagine that um, creating a fulfilling experience for employees requires, especially if a company is trying to trying to change their their ways to be to be more supportive of creating a fulfilling experience for their employees, that trust plays a big role in, in allowing that to happen. Oh, it's huge. It's the foundation. Otherwise, your employees will feel like they're being manipulated and um, you're going to talk to them about certain things. And trust is only established over a, a period of time where you're going to be able to show consistency. And so you can't one day walk in and, and start at this deep conversation with an employee when you've never invested into them in the little things. Um, it's not going to be a scenario by which they're going to just uh, start talking to you and sharing with you all their hopes and dreams um, when you've been ignoring them uh, for the last three months. So it's a it's a process um, and you have to build relationship one day at a time. It's the consistency that builds trust. Um, it's it's not this determination one day that I'm going to go ahead and and really find out what makes Joe tick. Um, it's knowing that's going to take some time and I've got to sit with Joe every single day and I've got to find out uh, what's important to him. Um, what were his wins today? Did he feel like he uh, accomplished something today? Um, when he tells me about his win, um, did his eyes light up? Um, did he get excited in his voice or did he kind of, um, you know, stumble through it? Does he even understand what a win is uh, here at work? So it's a slow process, uh, but if done consistently, you will build that trust. And consistency really is the critical sibling to trust. I mean, you could have a, a day where you think, okay, you know, as an HR manager or as a leader, you know, I know I need to do something. I'm, I'm today. I'm feeling like I need to get to know my employees better. Sit down, maybe even succeed in having a great conversation with someone, and then with no follow up or no plan, 
that just floats in the in nothing in a void of nothing. Absolutely, and the the greatest um, challenge we have as leaders uh, or in HR is to operate um, in that consistency uh, through crisis. You know, whenever crisis happens or the stress rises, um, we tend to throw that out first, and you tend to go back to your your old habits, your own your old ways in order to get things done. You know, we we really pride ourselves on accomplishment or completion or you know, checking a box and saying we did something. But the reality is um, that does erode trust when, um, you know, uh, something blows up and now we've got, you know, well, trust goes out the window. I'm not going to have that conversation. I'm not going to go ahead and and invest into that employee in that way because I don't have time for that. And that erodes that trust. It really sends a message that maybe, you know, maybe he was talking to me before, my leader, because uh, he's trying to manipulate me into doing something more. It really st- creates questions in their mind. And that's why the basis of leadership for our organization is a deep desire to love and serve our people um, instead of a deep desire to love and serve our products or our services. Um, people that are engaged um, on the road to fulfillment don't have to worry about their products or services. Man, that goes away. You don't have to worry about what your clients will experience when you have employees who are fulfilled in what they do. It's not that we stop, um, you know, checking in with our clients and we stop uh, innovating for our clients, but it's it becomes so secondary uh, once we become employee centric. How do how do you recommend that a company that has trust issues, it has employee engagement issues? I mean, you mentioned it's a process. How do you you reckon, what's some early first steps to just sort of getting it all out there and letting everyone know that, you know, you're serious about moving forward? Yeah, it's a great question. And it's probably the toughest question uh, to answer for any organization um, because um, it really has to be systemic, which means that those first conversations must be um, with um, leaders uh, with HR in a conversation that says, who do we want to be for our employees? And until there is an accountability at the highest levels of every company, um, it, it's going to be a very difficult and, and slow start with employees. Uh, you, you have to set up some um, accountability um, within the uh, upper level leadership or management of any company uh, to make sure that this becomes top priority. And until that's established, then you're kind of um, just dealing with, um, you know, well, it, the employee's experience uh, and their ability to find fulfillment will only be as good as the particular leader or manager they're under that day. But if you can do this systemically, get your leaders into a room and reestablish what their job is um, and get them to commit to that and create accountability, um, now you can go out and start that consistent road toward building trust. I actually recommend to companies to not go in and start touting to their employees, hey, listen, guys, as of today, we now care about you. Uh, that's, <laughs> not the, that's not the methodology. It's, it's the unsaid. It's the, the way that they interact. It'll be um, the next conversation. And keeping in mind that they're going to be accountable to their leadership team, their management team, um, on how they conduct themselves uh, with their employees. You know, all this brings up uh, an issue that we run into a lot, which is, um, I don't want to say bad leadership, because there are definitely bad leaders out there, but I think that there's another thing that's happening, which is the isolated leader, Mm. that, you know, they've got their office with a door, 
you know, maybe they're not even in the same location as a bunch of their employees. They they might at that point they exist only in the imaginations of their employees. You know, they're not and their employees the same way. You know, and except for the couple that they might see every day, or even if they're in one office and there's a dozen other offices, they're just not connected. And that isolation, I think, really causes a lot of problems. You know, how does an HR leader approach approach that problem in particular? Yeah, what you're describing is uh, is um, it is a problem. It, it's a harder scenario to overcome. It's it's still overcomable. It just takes longer. Um, it's kind of like a long distance relationship. Um, it it has its own um, sets of uh, hurdles and obstacles. But man, if the two parties are determined to get there, <clears throat> you'll you'll still be able to um, allow that employee to understand their value. Um, it's just that it takes a lot more intentionality. It may mean that when you're having that phone conversation or you're doing um, a, a video chat or you're um, you know, emailing with them, it may mean that you're able to maybe try to connect with them on a personal level before you jump in uh, to the task at hand. Um, there are approaches that you can take. Um, it just, you have to recognize going in, it's just gonna be harder. Um, it's, it's, a, it's one more level. If you can't look at somebody in the eye um, and they can't see the sincerity of who you are and what you're asking and why you're asking, um, it, it is a more difficult scenario. We really try in our organization um, to eliminate that as much as possible. And we invest even in um, flying our leaders where they need to go so that they can invest face-to-face with their employees. Uh, it's been worth it. Uh, it's worth the investment to put them in the same room so that that trust can be built uh, from the ground up. These are, you know, these are kind of truths that exist anywhere in humanity. You know, you have that neighbor that you don't like. They're doing blah, blah, blah. They don't take their trash cans in or their dog barks too loud. You know, if you never get a chance to actually sit down and talk to your neighbor and not about the problems, just in general, have some common ground, you have to put all of your ideas and thoughts into that negativity of saying like, oh, they just don't care or they're so inconsiderate. You know, and then that same relationship, if you talk to them and, you know, about family or about the game on Saturday or whatever it is, suddenly you find yourself being a little bit more forgiving, a little bit more understanding. You know, I guess it's something that seems so simple to me and so obvious and is yet so absent from so many aspects of business that I just, I have trouble understanding how we even got in this situation. Yeah, pressure um, from clients, pressure from investors, pressure from employers. Um, it it has twisted how we view um, success in the workplace. And what you described, it, man, it, it is exactly that. It's a foundational relationship that actually prepares us for crisis. It prepares us for pressure. And so you can either split apart um, during times of crisis or you can bond together. And it is solely dependent on the work as a leader that you've done prior to the crisis um, that will dictate what what will happen. I mean, how many times have you seen um, a husband and wife go through some kind of a crisis, maybe the loss of a child, and six months later they're divorced? Well, mm. it, it's the same thing that happens at work. We don't put the time and energy and effort and the consistency toward relationship prior to the crisis. 
we think that somehow the crisis will bind us together when no, that should have happened before the crisis. And so we do leave that, um, that relationship uh, in, in a place where there's um, unknowns. And in the, in the uh, absence of knowing where I stand with someone, the uncertainty of a human relationship, man, that, I don't want to talk to that person. And so it just continues to create more and more separation between employees and employers. And it's, it's sad. And it always leads to unfulfillment. And not just for those employees, but for that leader. They will, they will feel isolated. They will feel alone. And um, you have a lot of leaders, good leaders, who leave leadership because of the isolation. And uh, it, it goes both ways. Thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, glad to be here. Thanks for having me on. And thanks again to 15.5 for sponsoring this episode of HR Works. And we wanted to let you know that 15.5 has their own podcast called The Best Self-Management, which explores the brave new world of bringing your whole self to work. In each episode, co-hosts David Hassel and Shane Metcalf regularly discuss the uniquely healthy and productive co-founder relationship they've built at 15.5 over the last seven years. Best Self-Management proposes that if leaders build cultures and institute practices that support people in being and becoming their best selves, then high performance and uncommon loyalty is the result. To learn more or listen to the latest episode, go to 15.5.com forward slash podcast today. Listeners, we are always interested in suggestions you might have for what HR work should cover next. Feel free to reach out to us on Twitter at HR Works Podcast or with any thoughts or concerns you have about the podcast in general. Thank you for listening. This is Jim Davis with HR Works.